Welcome to episode two of the official Glasgow International Comedy Festival podcast, sponsored by Sparkling Studios. Today, I'm delighted to welcome my very good friend, the fabulous Susie McCabe. And later on in the episode, we will have our festival fast fives with the fabulous stand-ups, Connor Burns and Stuart Mitchell. Hello, uh, our guest at this time on the official Glasgow International Comedy Festival podcast is the wonderful Susie McCabe, and she's performing uh, at the King's Theatre on the 26th of March. Hello, Susie. Hiya, how you doing? I'm not too bad. This has been a long time coming. Well... Uh, 729 days. Have you been counting the days? Pretty actually? much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, um, so I was made to play on the 28th of March 2020, but then he locked down the 23rd. Uh-huh. So that was a bit of a killer. And then, you know, it was rearranged to the June, then the September, and then, you know, it's just just constant moving and rescheduling. But we, it looks like it's going to happen, but it looks like we're not far off it now. I know, because... You, you and I had a couple of sort of long dark nights of the soul on the phone. Yes. Right? Well, actually, I've seen long dark nights of the soul. It wasn't. It was. It was a long dark afternoon in Glasgow Green with Kanzalaga. <laughs> yes. Because we just thought that's it. Everyone's finished. Everyone's finished. We can't even go to the boozer. Let's just go and get takeaway pints and cans and have a carry on. A carry on. I know. And the howling. It was absolutely hosing it down as well, wasn't I, it? But I what know. a laugh we had. It was it was great fun and I, I felt as if I was like sixteen again. We're cutting hiding for parties and things like that. Aye, but we couldn't get lifted because it was totally legal to do it because it was locked down. Because I'm like, right, the world shut down so you can go to the park for a baby and the whole of Glasgow's like, I've got a cagoule, I'm fine. I'll be alright. I'll be alright. I'll, I'll be able to sweat from the out from the inside out as I'm soaking on the outside. But it's alright. I'll be with my pal and I'll be having a can of lager and everything will be fine. I'm all be alright. And it has turned out all right. Yes. Um, I, I we finally kind of got there, I think. And I think, do you know what? We're probably, I like to think that we're better people for getting there. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's, aye, it's that spirit of the blitz. Uh, <laughs> just no, don't. I just know. don't. I've turned into if, Boris Johnson. If only I had 17 parties and see if you start inviting me to cheese and wine, I'm out. <laughs> there's gain, there's just two gain. <laughs> uh, but no, there's, aye, aye, aye. It has been a long time coming, but and, and you'll know this yourself, it just feels amazing to be back. To be back on, I know. And and so, because you were, you were very innovative. <laughs> During, during lockdown, because you probably worked more than, well, you certainly worked more than our Prime Minister for a start. Yes, but, yes, <laughs> yes. But you, you, at the kind of earliest opportunity, uh, hitched your, you and Des. Me and McLean, we, we came up with a beer garden tour, which isn't a very innovative idea. Um, but because of my experience of working in construction, I was able to go and talk to people and then put together like rams and health and safety stuff, to then approach venues and say, this is how we can do this safely. Uh-huh. And venues, God bless them, and there was many of them, they were like, yeah, great, because it was summertime, so they were getting punters in the beer uh-huh. garden. They yeah. didn't need to particularly put anything, anything on. on. Uh-huh. And they went, yep, and the deal was, you know, we take tickets, you take your bar, great. great. Uh, they got a turn, we got a turn, and... Uh, Honestly, it was amazing to see that whole kind of hospitality and the art scene kind of come together to go, I get it, you you guys, man, I'm really... Because they, they could open, and sometimes they could open without booze and whatever else, and there was a lot of stuff. I remember Tom Kitchen telling us how terrible it was for his very expensive Edinburgh restaurant that they couldn't serve alcohol because he's got staff to pay. And I'm like, I just want to literally stand at a microphone and make people laugh. Laugh, aye. You know, and you're charging... £125 for a slice of fish. Do you aye, know what I mean? Aye, aye. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's no slander, Tom Kitchen. But, but, but you know what I mean? <laughs> and you're sitting and you're going, I don't think booze is the essential here. And then what really filled your heart with joy is that people went, I'm going to go out to that. Yeah, they love a night out. Yeah, they loved an afternoon out. 
yeah, they, they went to the pub and they came and see, so, so it was working for them, but they could have went to any pub uh-huh. in Santa Beer Garden. But they wanted to come and they wanted to laugh and they wanted to be entertained. Aye, and they wanted to support the arts. They were like, really, the amount of people that said, really feel for you guys. I know. Really, I... really feel for you guys. Really, it must be so hard. Like, what you do is already very difficult, but to actually not be able to work. And you're like, yep. And But they came out, I mean... Um, bad, bad at the bars. Me and Des sold that out twice, and it was all socially distanced. But because of the size of it, we could have a hundred people. We had two hundred people on two Thursday nights. Aye, aye. And they a glass. Which you don't normally. No. Get you know, it's a, it can be a struggle getting folk out for that. Sort aye, of aye, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't mm. necessarily walk into a club in normal times and find two hundred people in a club on oh, a Thursday night. No. So it was it was amazing. That stuff was amazing, but also the laugh that me and Des had was because well, like you know, we all have a road trip, you know, and you filled your summer just you and Des, <sighs> and Des is always just good fun. Aye. Des McLean's always great fun. There, there, I mean, there was some moments where, like, <laughs> I had a slogan for if we were having a stay over somewhere because we were a wee bit out in the, in the outskirts, I'd be like, right, Desi boy, get a coop known. <laughs> that was the that was the night we're having a night away. Right, get a coop known, get the football coop known. We're watching results coming in. Uh, there was one particular thing that happened up in the Loch Gilped. We'd done we'd done two gigs that day. And we'd done the beautiful Loch Gilped, height of summer. Uh, looking over the loch, there's there's little boats, there's there's hills, it's pure wee bit hill and glen, right? It was absolutely stunning. And they're all quite, they're very arty up in Loch uh-huh, Gilped. There's right. a lot of kind of ladies who like ladies, ladies like myself, and, uh-huh. and they were there and quite, you know, quite into their crystals and stuff. And, <laughs> they, and, and they, they were all lovely, they were, they were great. And this, there was four can only be described as Glasgow woman. Right. And they came over, <laughs> I, 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 cornered me and Des, and they were telling us all about this. Spiral permanent makeup oh, with the I, fag, fag purses, fag <laughs> purses. And they were all sitting in the, they were all kind of east end, north of the city, and they were telling us about their wee bus driver who was such a lovely man. He was great guys, married, they children. They went, but I mean, you wouldn't go there because that would destroy your house and then this one woman just took a long draw a super king cigarette <laughs> and looked McLean in the eye and just went but it's a slice of a loaf son <laughs> at this point Des is just about hugging me saying I'm his fiance <laughs> and trust me I couldn't I probably look more like his wee brother than his fiance I said it's just as well we've got a twin rumour you'd need to put a wardrobe up against that door <laughs> what a turn of phrase oh it's a slice of a loaf son I, and it has just lived with me and Des like months after it but it was all that kind of just daft nonsense you know what I mean just mental oh loving it loving it so, the so moving back indoors. Mm. Uh, what was your what was your first gig back after the so it was a, the indoors? It was gig? a beer garden tour, right? And we turned up and we realised we're in level two. But it was in Motherwell. Uh-huh. We're like we're in level two. Oh, because you were outside the city, we were outside the city, city boundary, boundaries. which was level three, and we went uh-huh. we can go inside. So we spoke to the owner. And we spoke to the woman. They're like, "Don't worry, get any bother." I said, "No, look, here's your here's all your <laughs> stuff." So they took all the punters for outside. It was a Saturday night. It made them all socially distance, and we done a gig inside. And I'm not joking. I think the two years nearly burst into tears. tears right. Just it was almost like when you heard that first laugh after getting back to it, it's like a shot to your veins, you know. And <laughs> and being inside and doing that, and we just we just thought it was incredible. Do you know, right. we just thought, and the punters loved it, and it was just magical. I know, and because you're because like, that dangling carrot of the kings was there over everything, and. It, 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 it was good that you got those nice wee moments, do you know, and yeah. the, the lead up to it, you know. Yeah, because the disappointment from the Kings being postponed, I mean, it was a, it was heartbreaking because it had went on sale... Uh, the year before? The year it? before, so it went on sale November 19. <laughs> which it, feels... Which feels like, like a lifetime ago, <laughs> right? And, and you're going, right, November 19 for the... No, it was November 18. For the 2020, because 19 show was already booked in. So it was November 18, and it went... Jesus. And, and uh, like, I think it sold, like, eight 900 off the bat. Uh, aye, aye. Right? So you're going, right, I'm, I'm, onto a, I'm onto a winner. And then suddenly all that happened. But then there was the difficulty of me saying to Des, 
I don't want to use King's material. Uh-huh. Because what I now want to do is people to come and see me at the beer garden tour and not see the King stuff. Aye. So there's literally maybe about five or six minutes that I've done in selected beer garden tours, and that's it. Uh, that's it. Everything else is pretty much new or been previously done, so that it's it's just been sitting kind of, and now it's a case of going through and and the world's changed, so it now becomes a different show because Aye. certain things that you're speaking about. You know, isn't irrelevant? Isn't irrelevant? Well, that was that was that was kind of my worry as well about going back. You're going see the things I used to talk about before. Did it even matter now? Do you know what I mean? Like, that? Does it even does anybody care? And I'm like, so the, what, that sort of going through material. You're like, no, I, you know that just has to be binned. That's consigned, I, I, you know, to the graveyard. I, I don't know if the, I'm ever going to be able to bring that back out. I've got a, a bit in the show about Greta Thunberg, and I'm like, well, I can do that because we've had COP twenty six, so it's been within a kind of six month realm. Mm. But I've got another bit, a, a wee bit about uh, just a guy at Extinction Rebellion. I'm like, I don't think that can go in. No, no, because it, it, but it is a very funny story. So it might be something that you can, and you know yourself, where you go, right? That's the story. It maybe just needs to be cut down to like a two liner, and it's a kind of bolt on that you can throw away as opposed to a an actual piece. It's weird how your mind works because I've I've got got a bit of material which was about the stop the war march from two thousand and two thousand and one, and now I'm kind of hoping there's another. War, just, so <laughs> well, I, just so I can recycle that for 20 years ago. See, you know, it'd be fair, probably be Friday. It'll be Friday, I know. <laughs> Friday. I know. So it's the only thing we've not had, you know, <laughs> for a while. At the point of recording this, uh, Russia looked like they're about to invade Ukraine, <laughs> so that material's coming back out, big guy. <laughs> I mean, we might be in, like, you know, a nuclear desert, but, but, but you just polish it off, but, you know how it is. There they go. Wheel it out. Wheel it out. I've got a crying bit about that I can recycle. It's, it's like much. from mid-November, you're like, I've got that Christmas tree joke. That's, <laughs> it's going to last me the next six weeks. <laughs> When's the Grand National? <laughs> <laughs> Bring out my horses jokes. Right. <clears throat> so I, uh, so tell, right, so what, what is, what Born Believer uh, is the, the title mm. of the King Show. What is the Born Believer? What's that about? So, I turned 40, so uh, January 2020, I turned 40. <clears throat> and I kind of made a thing where I was going to change. Now, in my life, my, my every decade, something happens. So, at the start of my 30s, I started comedy. Um, I get married in my early 30s, separated uh, in my mid-30s. And then, in life, Life changed a lot, and I lost lost my beloved Nana, and, and I kind of was like, I, I'm going to be more of a positive person because you like you know me well, right? And, I, and I'm a cynical person, and and all that. But and I was like, no, I'm going to try and be positive, and I'm going to try and you know spend time with my parents and just just be a better person. And the show is essentially about me with this struggle <laughs> of trying to be a better person and, and also turning 40 because turning 40 is seminal for a woman. Right. 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 Even when you don't have kids. It's still a... It's still a thing because you're like, well, that's that's a thing. Now, like, I, I found that when I turned 30, I became very assured and more confident in uh-huh. myself right. and, and my working life and my personal life and, and who I was and what I wanted to do. When you turn forty, you're kind of like right, okay, and there's there's a there's very much a a perception whether it be driven by the media, driven by you know your your family heritage of your aunts and your nanas and your mothers of what happens to a woman when she turns forty, and I and I think I'm trying to address that in the context of essentially being a a, a woman without children uh-huh. who. Hasn't had that whole well. My thirties was bringing up my kids, and my forties were teenagers. I'm now going. Hold what on. What was I up to? I, I've been a wean for forty years. <laughs> yeah, I've been a child, and now I'm going to take a bit of responsibility. And then also, what happens within your own family dynamic with that responsibility and the level of expectation that gets put on you because of your age and your gender? Uh, and looking at that, and then and and just generally looking at my overall life and finding myself in various situations where I'm like, I'm going all out to make an effort, but I'm just sabotaged, whether it be by 
life, <laughs> oh, yeah. my partner, my parents, <laughs> and I'm like, no wonder I'm the way I am. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and then there's a kind of pinnacle moment at the end of the show where we talk about, I am a better person and here's why. But with withholding on to part of yourself. You know oh, what I mean? you don't want to lose a sense no, of yourself. No, 100% not. And it's just trying to be... I can't, I'm never going to be, you know, sat in a four bed detached with, you know, wings. I'm probably going to end up in a farm with 300 ducks. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's but, but being that thing of going, this is what life keeps telling me I need to be, and I can't be that, but I'm going to try and be this. Right. And I'm going to try and be this better yeah. person. And, and and I think as well, what's actually quite nice is now that we've lived through the past two years, you can see that everyone or the people that you love, are better people, and you uh-huh. can now see who the Tories are. Yes, and your <laughs> and your social constructs, right? And you can go, oh, is that your opinion? But we'll never speak again. <laughs> but there is that thing of, I mean, there's nothing controversial in the show. I'm not that type of person. Because oh, just... you're, you've got you're political mm. without doing politics mm. when you're on stage, you know, and without sounding like I'm. Um, you know, writing for the Guardian. You know, you do deal with sort of, sort of feminism and intersectionality, Aye. so to speak. But without battling it, without coming on stage, going, "I'm going to speak about intersectionality." Do you know, you you speak about those the sort of roles that women have, and you know, and gay women have that are different. You, know, you tackle them, and they're, they're always they're always funny. And it, and it is that, and I think that's really important. Like I. I I, I just always feel when I watch TV, there's never really a lesbian like me. Aye. Right? Uh-huh. There's never really a lesbian like... Like, I can, you can go Emery, Polly Grady, like, Polly Grady, Lily Savage, one of the best stand-ups ever. Uh-huh. Right? Like, never gets the credit for it. No. And then you look <clears> at, you know, like, Conley, right? So you've got that whole Glasgow thing going on. And then I go, right, so who are the, who are the gay women? So I've got Rona Cameron, right... I've got Susan Kalman, right? I've got Sue Perkins, and I'm like, right? And I'm like, these are maybe people who I would come into contact with in a social setting. It's just everyday people that I would probably struggle to have commonality with. Uh But but then you get... You can get lumped in all together because yeah. Oh, well, she's a gay woman. Must be pals. (laughs) Whereas, in fact. Like, like, so there's like Susie Ruffle, who's completely different from uh-huh. me, a, a gay woman, completely different, completely different upbringings and different perspectives in life. Get on great with her, right? Uh-huh. Now that's life. But there's also got to be a woman with my voice that a guy who drives a white van and reads the back page of the paper first oh. and eats a rolling sausage goes, I like her. Aye, aye. You know, and not to go, oh, you know, oh, she's a bit highfalutin or she's a bit Cambridge educated or she used to be a lawyer. You know, no. just that, just a, 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 a lassie that a boy's like that. You'd sit in the pub with her and put a coupon on where, wouldn't you? I know. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? I remember, because you, one of the, I think it was 20, 2017 French uh, Edinburgh, and I mind you, you were sold out and you, and, you, and you messaged me going, have you got space tonight? And you're short, and I went... I, and you said, I'm going to send some folk over, right? So I was expecting, like, a, a team of, right? I was genuinely expecting, like, a kind of old-school team for Delmonica's, right? Aye. Gay bar in Glasgow, right? Yep. <laughs> Rocking up, and it was actually some builders merchants, right? Aye. It was ten builders merchants who were rough as asses, And I'm like, oh, I don't know if they're... But no, they were brilliant because they trusted you... To tell. To tell the... They would get. You'll like the big guy. Like, you'll like I, the big man. Do you know what right, I mean? You know? And you'll be fine. And 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 it is that. Is that? I, I remember you being at a solo show of mine in Glasgow, and I think it's the first time you'd like been at a show like early for the audience coming in. Uh, and I mean, going out for a cigarette with you. And you just turned around and you went, "Do you wait to the the disability living allowances hurt their bank accounts?" <laughs> right? <laughs> He's like, "I've never seen an audience like it because." Even like you, people will just have this perception that you'll be walking into my show and you go, Oh, it's 80% uh, gay, 75% of that is lesbian, and then it's made up of a couple of couples that have just taken a chance. Uh-huh. Where actually you come in, you go, Group of guys in their 40s, uh-huh. group of boys that are 18, 
couple of young couples, some grannies up the corner, right. some, probably some great grannies, and and I love that. I love the fact that I look out to an audience and there's anybody the, and everybody. I it's, love it's, that. It's, it's kind of a combination between like. Radio Clyde Super Scoreboard and the People's <laughs> Friend come to life, right? <laughs> you like that? Oh, well, we bit of the Sunday Post, I know. Aye, right? aye, there's always a Mother's Original getting passed around my shows. No so much narcotics or anything like that. Is get yourself a barley sugar because she's funny this one, aye, aye. Oh, she's there. She took me down to the bingo one night. Lovely seeing me walking down Duke Street. Aye, aye, aye. And I, I love that. And do you know what I love about that? Like, I, I spent a lot of time growing up, I spent a lot of time with my nana and. My nana was always a, an eternally older woman. She was really quiet wee woman, my nana, but used to sit and watch Saturday Night Telly and record BBC One. No, record ITV, watch BBC One. And when I would sit and watch Polly Grady or whatever, or two Ronnie's like, and the tears would be running down her face. And I would be laughing. And it's that, if if you can do that, yes, if you can make a granny laugh and an 18-year-old laugh, you're, you can do it. You're doing all right. Aye. I, 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 I was... One of my favourite things was watching my granny laugh. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I mean, and she would be chasing her, her false teeth around bit to try and keep them in. Do you know? And the tears, and then she would just turn and go. I mean, this is bloody stupid. Aye, uh, <laughs> aye. What a bloody nonsense! I, I love. Uh, I I see my partner laugh. Right, my partner was really close to her gran as well. And she like she makes me laugh every day, like like every day, like she like, and it's the most ridiculous things. Like the other day, we were talking about um, a goal in a football match, and she said, "Why is why is why is he talking to him like he's signing? He's using." I said, "Because he's Portuguese and he's Japanese, and without missing a beat." And she went, "Oh, look at these dirty knees!" Now no. <laughs> I hadn't heard that in about twenty five years, right? And I was roaring for about fifteen minutes, and, and and it's that kind of thing. But but she loves that kind of silly daft, daft. nonsense, uh-huh. and see, I, I'll hear her laugh, and I'll hear her laugh loud, and I love that. But sometimes when I turn around and I see her laughing, and there's no noise, but she's proper but killing herself. And I, and it actually reminds me of a picture her mum's got where she sat with her big brother, and she must be about seven, and she's absolutely roaring. And and whenever she does that, it, it pure fills my heart uh-huh. because I'm like, mm. I just love to see that level of enjoyment. And and like you said, you know, there's nothing funnier than old woman. Uh-huh. And I tell you, there's nothing you can get away with anything with old woman as well. That's, well. That, that, that's what, it was always surprising, you know. You think, oh, I can't say this, I can't say that. And I remember, I remember again at the fringe, <clears throat> and it was and it was genuinely a Catholic women's group, right, for a church in Edinburgh. Oh, they came no. to see me three years in a row, right? Amazing. And I remember, and I'm like that, because I'm like, how do these ladies know? Oh, you're for the, whatever the church was, and I'm like that. All right, and she went. Don't worry, we've heard it all. We've been to confession. Aye, aye, aye. And I think that's it. And I think that's her own ignorance, isn't it? That we think, well, you better not see that in front of the old dears or the old dears. They're quite posh old dears. Where actually they have the filthiest minds and the filthiest laughs. And that's it. And because you go right, well, they were th- they went through a war. Do you know what I mean? Aye. <laughs> so they, and we know. Now, having kind of been through our own big thing, Aye. that actually a lot of dark humour helped us get, get through, through it. it, you know. Aye. And sometimes you did have to, <laughs> you know, the, the enjoy this sort of dirtier, slimier side, side, of, side of life. And also, they come from a generation where it was, you know, your reared wings, and it didn't matter if it was your wing or no, that wing get reared, uh-huh. and that was it. And, and it didn't matter if. If you know the guy had left, or if if the the woman had abandoned their kids or whatever, everybody just mocked in, and and they knew life, and they've they've seen more of life than we, we will ever see, uh-huh. and and <clears throat> you've got to give them the credit for that, and they're they're, they're amazing, they're uh-huh. amazing, and I think having that influence of those women in your life as a kid kind of stands you in good stead for this career as well, because they're as quick and they're as sharp. I mean, man, Anna, for all she was a quiet wee woman. She was as sharp as an ice and as dry as an... And, you know, and sometimes it would just be an eye roll. Like, <laughs> and, and, or she would hit it with something. You were just like, 
I can't believe she's just said that. <laughs> and you would see the, the wee kind of giggle and the wee mischievous bit in her. Aye, because you know, she just knew. Because she's just shocked you. <laughs> and you're like, all oh, right, then. And, there's something, and that, quite, that can be a nice thing as well when you've just... When you've just shocked something, you're like, still got it. Aye, <laughs> still aye, got it. Aye, you know? aye, that's it. Definitely, yeah. definitely. We're just going to take a short break to thank our official podcast sponsor, Sparkling Studios. I'm currently sat in their amazing studio, just a stone throw from the Barrowlands, and we're so thrilled that they are making this podcast happen. Whether you're looking for a studio to hire or full production and promotion, they'll create a bespoke package for you. Check out their website, all the W's, sparkling.scot, for more information. And now, back to the interview. So like that, you you were saying you remember your nana laughing. What was the kind of what was the pivotal moment you went right? Do you know what? I I know I can I'm funny. I can make people. What was the the reason for sort of then making that sort of leap and coming on stage? So mm. uh, there there was a, uh, there was absolutely no um, no rhyme or reason to this. So um, my mate Paul, who you know. Yep. Uh, and I were talking about our friend Maz, who had sadly um, been diagnosed at that time with terminal four cancer. And we were saying how, you know, life was all right. And at this point, I'm living, you know, in a semi-detached and got a good job and everything's all good in my life. I'm getting prepared to get married. And Paul Kedler suggested we all, we should we should scare ourselves. And then he, I said, oh, can I jump out a plane? And he told me about Viv G's course. Well, He's like, let's do it for a laugh. Like, nobody needs to know that we even go to it. We'll just go and we'll do it and we'll do it. And you do a gig at the end of it, right? And it's, do you know what? Something somebody can always say, but you, you're funny. I thought, you know what? That's fair dues, right? Yeah, we'll do it. And we done the first, we, we went to the course and it was really funny because they're going around the room, right? And it's like, do you have any experience in stage? What brought you here, right? And, and you, Viv, who we know, is one of the nicest people nicest, on the planet. Nicest woman in, in, in the world. In the world. <laughs> Never <laughs> comedy. So I'm. nice. And she's going around and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm really into amateur dramatics. I really enjoy it. And they're like, right, okay, what would you do? Yeah, yeah, I've always wanted to do it. I'm a huge comedy fan. I like encyclopedic. No, I love comedy. And it's, you know, I just want to do it. And I'm like, right. And it goes around the room. In the ball pole. Paul's like that. I've wanted to do this course for about five, six years, but I couldn't find somebody to, to do it with me. Really? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like five, six, five, six years, that right? I had no idea about any of this, right? And I'm like, I'm like, are you joking? So then Viv comes to me and she's like, right, so everybody's done something. And she gets to me and she's like, so what's your experience? And I was like, he's, he's, Pure conned me. <laughs> I didn't mean to I'm be so here. Like, uh, well, this is a kind of drunken girl that's got a bit out of hand. Uh -huh. So, and she's like, hey, okay, and she's like, so did you do like amateur drama? And I'm like, nah. No. She's playing. like, school playing. I'm like, no. She's like, nativity. I'm like, I've never stood on a stage or held a microphone, and you could see her going, what? Why what, are you here? What, <laughs> what, what are you even thinking? <laughs> And then, so went into the class and, and we had to go away and write up our stuff. And me and Paul used to meet on a Saturday and we loved it. Aye. We loved this process of writing and making each other laugh and doing a bit and doing a bit of each other's. And it was great. And uh, I'd done the gig. I just might do five minutes and I'd done eight standard. Oh, and, aye. Uh, oh aye, there oh, she aye. is. Running out. There she, there she is. Like, I was not flashing you. I was not flashing you. <laughs> and from that, I just get more gigs. Uh -huh. And, and I... And it is that thing where, you know, after your first gig, and if you do well, you're absolutely flying mm -hmm. for days after it. And, and I just went, I need to do that again. And she gave me a gig the next week at the Griffin. And she gave me a gig at the Griffin the following week. And I was like, "That's that was amazing. And then from there, I, I just kept getting, like well, Big Graham Mackey then went, there you go, there's that, a gig. And, and that's, what's, that, that's what's really good about... The Scottish circuit and and and, and Glaswegian comics. See when somebody comes along, it was good. You tell everybody. Everybody gets to know about it. Do you know really quickly, and you will pick up gigs really fast. You know, because there's a there's a real hunger for mm. good new talent. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. with the best, sometimes there can be a lot of you know, be a lot of slow starters. There can be folk that only are good sometimes. Aye, aye. But so when somebody comes along and you're like that. Oh, here's a gem, you know. Yeah, and oh, by the way, do you know see that gig you're on and get her on that? Well, that you know? that's exactly <clears throat> what happened to me in the stand. It, it was Janie Godley. Janie had seen me do a gig in a venue in the West End, and she was like, "You're great." 
And then she was going through to do a gig at the stand. And I said to you what I lift. And she went, I no bother. And I stood up the back of the room and I watched this gig because I knew another each way to Edinburgh with Jeannie was worth learn. more Aye. than like any gig was anywhere. So I gets, picks her up and chats away to her and she's like, how are you getting on at Red Rock at the stand? I said, oh, I can't get into the stand. And Jeannie just went, is that right? And literally pulled out her phone, sat in my passenger seat, sent an email to Tommy Shepard and Eva Mackay and sent the email Phoned up the next day, can you go into a red drop? It was in two weeks' Amazing. time. Phoned Janie, told her. She's like, great. Edinburgh. She made Tommy go down to Edinburgh. She was like, I don't, Tommy, I never recommend anybody. I know. You go, I, I, you go and see her. Mm-hmm. Right, go and see her. And then Tommy, they phoned me on the Wednesday, and they went, right, you don't need to do red draw anymore. It's <laughs> just never happens. Never happens. For, and they went, hey, can you go and do Wicked Wenches uh, tonight in Glasgow? And Tommy sent Sarah Watson down. Yep, yep. And Sarah uh, told me pretty recently, she goes, she's like a female Raymond Merns. Yes. And you know how much <laughs> yeah. I love Merns. Eh? Uh-huh. And I was really raw, but I, I say I was really raw. I'd been going for 18 months. And then from that, the stand gave me my first weekend six weeks later. And they put me in the middle spot, and it was actually the Jubilee weekend. It was oh, the uh, yes. so everybody was off the the like the the Friday and the Monday. So every night felt like a Saturday, Saturday night in the night. club. And it, and obviously, you just, must have had to change your plans. Uh, for the, for obviously, the I, I absolutely, I, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, we're going to, need to cancel this uh, street party. <laughs> this street party. <laughs> put the coronation chicken back in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what we're going to do with that. And. Uh, um, aye, aye, aye. Oh, jelly was going to set number one. It was running about ice cream and jelly time as well. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I done that. I done the stand, and then I, and I didn't. I didn't know this. I didn't actually realise this. So I started in the January two uh, or the, the first gig. So if we take it for the first gig, eighteenth of January two thousand eleven. Which would have meant I would have played the Kings within nine years, Aye. right? And that's not a bad turnaround. And Eva actually said <clears> to me, "You're the fastest act that we have ever promoted progressed. and progressed through the stand because mm-hmm. you literally went like one red draw, two weekends like middles, then you were opening for three, then we put you in main support, then we had to take you at main support and just make you a headliner." And I think I was headlining within. Like eighteen months of that first that's gig, first and that's gig. that's remarkable. That's also helps that I was a woman. Uh huh. No, I mean because they do, uh, they do have a very positive booking policy and encouraging women and getting women on the bill and putting them through, which can also be a negative thing. But fortunately, I just kind of was oh, a bit older. You've always had the, you had the tools in the box, and you were able to do it. It was never ever undeserved, and and you know, kind of. Rarely <laughs> for the comedy circuit. I'm, I'm not trying to give it, don't give it anything away, but comedians can be a wee bit bitchy. Uh, <laughs> and you were one of the, you know, you, they, they bitched about you. Aye, nobody because, really moaned. And it, nobody moaned because if they knew you were, A, you put the work in, Aye. and B, you know, there was enough natural ability there as well. And the, it, two, the two combined. I nobody begrudged it. My first weekend <clears> headlining, I was on with Joe Heenan, and I remember Joe Heenan just going, you always do your job. Aye. And that's like, and Joe's like, like I really respect Joe as a comic. Do yep. you know what I mean? He's like, you're going to go out there and you're always going to do your job. And I remember going, well, if Joe Heenan thinks that, I'm going to go out there and do my job. You know what I mean? Because this isn't even in question that you're closing this club on a Saturday night or a Friday night. You you do your job and you go and do it. Yep. And it's that way, right? And then you kind of get there and then you get paranoid. God, I don't want to slide back down. Aye. You know what I mean? So then you go, I need to get better. better. I need to keep writing. I need, to get, I need to improve. I need to learn and think and watch and not just be a headliner. Yeah, a really good yeah, headliner. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So that's, and that, that's, that's that just that pure, absolute determination of just being, Cause I you, need to be better. And you, because you have, you know, you do treat it like a job. Yeah. You know, you take it seriously. Like, I mean, I was a bit. <laughs> I was a bit different, which is I've not played the king yet. 
Well, no point you undermining them. Aye, you aye, know? aye. Because uh, I was more interested in, I was going to say wine, women, and song, but aye, wine, aye. men, and song. Aye, you know, aye. Well, <laughs> men. Lager. Not even bothered about a song. I know, it's karaoke. So, because you, you have always taken it seriously, mm. you've, you know, uh, I respected it. I respected the craft. the craft. I I hope I've done it in a way that I'm not like I hate these comedians. You know these comedians that will just rhyme off routines to you, and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm going to deconstruct this joke for you and explain it to you." And I'm like, Do "You know what? I don't need you to explain it to me. I'm just going to look at the audience's <coughs> reaction, and they've no laughed. So I'm going to explain to you how comedy works. You speak, they, they laugh. laugh. <laughs> How's that for deconstruction? Oh, because you've well, that's. <laughs> Because that's all I think. You respect the craft, but you don't get bogged down in the science, if we like. No. And but you you respect the audience, and but you understand the kind of very old idea of being entertainment. Yes. Yes, and it's and do you know what? I'm here to entertain people. Aye. You know? And it's a show business. I'm going to give you a show. Aye, know? aye, and it is that thing as well where. Like I always, like when I was doing uh, my, my Glasgow Comedy Festival shows at the stand, I would specifically write a 90 minute show, 2.45s with an yeah. interval. One, that gave me uh, 90 minutes to go and sift through and pick a French show from it. But two, if you book a ticket to come and see me, uh, say I was playing the stand and it's, I don't know, 12.50, including your booking fee, right? So you so you and your partner have came down, so there's 25 quid off the bat. Then you've maybe got a babysitter, so there's maybe 40, 50 quid. You get the train into town, you've went for dinner, it's maybe another 30, 40 quid, you've had a couple of drinks. You, at that night, the, the cost of that night builds up, and that's maybe their one night out that month, uh-huh. or that six months. Uh-huh. And... and They've really they've bought the tickets and they're really looking forward to it. And I'm the cheapest part of that night, uh-huh. but their whole night is structured around me, <clears throat> and I always feel the obligation of I need to entertain and give you the best show I can give you. Whereas if it's a gig, if somebody comes out and they don't like you, there's another three acts that have been on Aye. before <clears throat> you. That they've really enjoyed, right? So because the whole can all be forever. That well, that's it. That's it. And there's always going to be somebody in the audience who, you know, invariably look at, like they look, like they look at you, <laughs> like they just hate you. Like you have murdered everybody in their life. And then at the end of the night, they're like, "Fair, enjoy that." Or, tell your face, mate. Oh, I, know. I know. Tell your face, <laughs> right? But but it's it that thing. So I would always try and push my writing and hope that the the show improved every year and those audience members who came every year could see that show progress and my, my progression as a comedian as well you know what I mean and I, just and putting out good stuff and and people kind of start to get sort of behind you and, and are willing you to do well and get on and do bigger things because they've seen you from you know a, a boozer or a or a social club in the back end of nowhere, and then they go, oh, man, you've got the stand, and they go, oh, get a stand in a fray, oh, you've got the stand in a Saturday night, you've sold that out, you've got another, and it builds and builds, and it's because of people, and and you trying to give them a show. And just the back end of last year, was it three times you were on Frankie Boyle's New World Order? Three I, times that, I was on, on that. The telly uh, now. On the telly, on the telly. Uh, just as well you can get big prelies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, Fra- you know, Frankie was really, really kind. He got me in to do some tour supports as he was working through stuff for the TV show at the Glee. And I'd done my first gig and I came off stage. He, was, he really enjoyed it, talking after it. Really nice guy. Like, really nice guy. Like, people have this kind of perception of Frankie that's completely wrong, right? He, he, he's, he's, he's not as hard. He's, he's quite a gentle guy, actually, you know? Um, and he was really encouraging. And then I walked in on the Tuesday to do the support, and he went, do you fancy coming on my TV show? 
Yeah, I, oh. I, 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 I'll just he's like, do I check your diary? So yeah, I'll be fine. Right. Be fine. <laughs> be fine. <laughs> I'll cancel. I'll honestly, I'll be fine with that heart operation. Nah, I'll be fine. I'll postpone right. that. Uh, jubilee party. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, better not be in the Jubilee, Francis. <laughs> and Frankie, he was really good to me. And he, he, he literally, he, he said that. And I was like, great. And I went on. And, and after it, they were like, we really enjoyed that. And then literally was like, we're going to get you back on for another show. And then we could get you in the end of your show. And that, that was just like, you know, like you're plugging away and plugging and away. And you get that wee, just a little chink of something. And, and again, because I think you were worried at the time. <clears throat> like you'd been building that momentum. And then obviously everything locked down. And you thought, oh, what if they don't? You know, what if that's it? What if my it, time it, has it, passed? You know, and it and it and it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? It hasn't. And it, but it was from my perspective. I've spoken to you in the phone. I'm like, oh, thank Christ. So maybe relax now. Aye, aye. Because you I've worked. I've, like, so I hard, and then it looked as if. <clears throat> and listen, it, I'm not saying that I have by any means made anything. I've just got a show at the Kings, and I've been in the telly a couple of times, right? But and and I've been really lucky and. and like likes a Kevin getting me in to do some of his supports as well, and Mr. Bridges, Mr. Bridges, and you know just two guys who have both given me very different platforms, but also the experience of working with people that talented, yes, and that because you can tour support, right? You can tour support for people, and it's great. And I've been really lucky to do that. I've had you know John Bishop, Jason Manford, Stuart Francis, like I, I, real good experiences with that. But you can tour support, and you see it where people are tour support for someone who you're going. They're not, and you're doing this as your job, and that's earning money. Uh-huh. But they're not that good a comedian, so you're not learning, uh-huh. right? Uh, I I'm not a particularly a gag or a pun writer, but once I had toured with Stuart Francis the first time, I understood you the power of a pun punch. and the power of a a punchline or just a quick snappy line and. Yeah. And getting to that line quick, and then you, you then you go and gig with somebody like Jason Manford or Kevin, like like Kevin working through stuff uh, from his last show. That line I remember, that line about how expensive food is, and he goes, you know, two quid for an avocado, <laughs> you know, and his dad would say to him, "Does that come with a toy, son?" <laughs> like on on at least three levels, that joke is amazing. It's phenomenal, uh-huh. right? And you just sit there and you go. Tremendous, and then you go away and you go, I need to write a joke as good as that, that uh-huh. and and you become totally inspired. Whereas you can kind of, you can tour support with people, and you go, this guy hates his life. Mm-hmm. This guy hates this job. This guy's clearly got a tax bill to pay, <laughs> and he's <laughs> just <laughs> and he, he hates me being here. Uh-huh. Whereas you've got other comedians who are super talented, and you sit back and you watch, and they're also really encouraging to you. Um, and I remember John Bishop, like, I, I'd done the pavilion for John Bishop, and he went out and he was like, you need to go and buy tickets. To, it was just before the lockdown, he went, you need to go and buy tickets to see her at the Kings because she's one of your own. Aye. Oh, and I was like, well, he was like, she was really good, but she's one of your own, so you go and get tickets. And I thought, you know what, fair play to you, mate. That's a really Aye. classy thing to do. Aye, well, that's because he did, doesn't have to do that. Aye. You know, he can walk on and not have to mention it or whatever. Aye, you know, aye. You have... take that time. To just to just Be say that, you know, I or like you go on Twitter and you see that maybe Kev or Frankie's retweeted about your gig or something like that and you go, it's decent, it's really decent stuff. Oh, good stuff. So uh, we'll, we'll go back a wee bit, hmm. right, because you started your working life in Delmonica's, is that uh, right? Well, I, well, I started off in bankrupt clothing. Right. And then I took Delmonica's on. So the guy who was assistant manager of Delmonica's... Delmonica's is, uh, is one of the one of the oldest gay bars in Glasgow, isn't aye, it? Aye, aye. Just, it's there. just a good... It's just a, a, a very... Just a place that holds so many memories. Um, we, I, I was working in the pub, and one of the guys I worked with in the pub... In fact, there was three gay... I was working in the shop, sorry, bankrupt clothing. And there was three uh, gay guys who worked in it, and one of them lived with the then manager of Dell's and was cousins with the assistant manager. Right. And I'd asked for a job, and he was like, no, nah, 
nah, nah, I'm not having any more women. Nah, I'm not having any more women behind the bar. <laughs> and then he went on holiday and the assistant manager went, do you want to come and do a shift tomorrow? Just start off as a glass collector. Aye. And I went, I ain't bother. Because I was out the house and I was living with my nana and just wanted to earn money. And uh, I went out and, and I'd done the glass collecting. And then within about, I don't know, about a year and a bit, I became assistant manager. Like, it just get again. Out of hand, and, uh, <laughs> a wee notion. It just a wee notion. That was it, and uh, <laughs> that was me till I was like twenty one, twenty two, and uh, then pretty much I I, I messed about. I worked in call centres and I I done stuff for for maybe about a year and a half, and then uh, I uh, went and be, went and trained to become an electrician. Aye. I worked in sites and had a pure laugh, and I loved it, and then. Uh, Kind of went, don't know why I'd be cutting a bit with overalls and that on all your days, right? Because it's, it's hard. It's it's not hard in the sense of, it's just, you know, in this country, it's freezing. freezing Who wants cold. to go out um, on a January morning and fit an outside light? To, Nobody. To, uh, to know, I know. As, as the old prostitute says, <laughs> it's not the work, it's the stairs. Exactly, <laughs> aye. Uh, and then I, I went on, I, I became an estimator and... and I enjoy that, and then obviously with COVID hitting it, so I'd, I'd balanced like being a comedian and being an estimator for eight and a half years, got through a marriage, got married, got separated, soon to be divorced, my beloved Nana dying, my mum being diagnosed with cancer, while maintaining a comedy career that I was trying to put on the up, and maintain quite a high-pressure job, because you're responsible for bringing I- work in. Uh-huh. And it's millions of pounds. Actually, you were responsible. Is it, was it the Emirates? You're, I worked on the Emirates you job. I worked on the Emirates job. So it was uh, like so. It was big capital expenditure projects like Shops Prison, the Emirates, like like big, you know, college refits and stuff like that. University buildings. You're not talking about going in your grannies and changing a socket. Is millions, <laughs> millions of, of pounds worth of of electrical work. So doing that and and and. Balancing all that and then doing that, and then I just finally got to a point where I went, I'm just going, I'm just going to have a pure leap of faith here and go for this, and mm. and and went for it, and then someday a bat <laughs> <laughs> and ruined it ruined for it. everybody. <laughs> but no, no, I'll be fine. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, so I think we're going to we're going to kind of wrap up. Great. Right? Uh, we do have right. Our festival fast five, da, da, right? Da, right. Okay. Uh, it's it's five kind of fast questions, um, and we're, we're asking everybody the same questions. So here we go. Right, uh, give us a sixty second elevator pitch for your show. Just coming here, a wee fat lesbian talking about trying to be a positive, optimistic forty something, and it's not going to happen because the world just conspires against her. But it's funny when it does. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. Uh, we're looking for the favourite heckle you've had or witnessed. Oh, favourite heckle. Oh. I'll put you in the spot. I, I remember that actually the other night uh, I said to a guy, what's your name? And he went, Francis. And I went, oh, and somebody for the audience went, brave this week, pal, brave this week. Because <laughs> I've just been a Celtic Rangers game, <laughs> which was in the middle of a Glasgow comedy club. So it was tense for a couple of seconds. <laughs> Uh, we're looking for if you, well, it's obviously it's Glasgow Comedy Festival. We're looking for kind of your favourite Glasgow, typical Glasgow story or memory. Oh, do you know what? It, honestly, it, anything for me. I just we're just such. You know what? We're just a city that has got grit, well, post-industrial determination, and there's honestly there's millions of stories out there. But do you know what? I just think. I just think. Do you know what I love about Glasgow? My favourite thing about it. See when, and you'll get this, see when you talk to comedians from everywhere else in the country, they go, love being in Glasgow oh, for a weekend. Oh, like, Edinburgh's nice for them to take their wife to or take their husband oh, to and stay there, but they love gigging in Glasgow and walking about Glasgow and going to the record shops in Glasgow and eating in Glasgow. Yeah. And, and I love that. I, I get such a, my heart, my wee heart just swells, probably with arteries, but it does swell, <laughs> right, in true Glasgow fashion. Uh, but yeah, no, I love that. Uh, and we're looking for, Somebody's coming to visit for the festival. Uh, outside of comedy, what are the sort of Glasgow must-sees and do's? What, what, what uh, should you go and see? What should you go and do? Always go to Kelvin Grove. Go into Kelvin Grove Park. Uh, walk about the town. Look up. Look at the buildings. 
Go and see, go to the necropolis. It's one of the most fascinating things and places you can walk around. Uh, go for a walk along the Clyde and see Glasgow's past and present in one walk. And uh, just, just you know what? Smile at people because they'll smile back. Talk to whoever talks to you. Have a pint and enjoy yourself. Morning. 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 Can I just say, though, see this comedy festival? If it hadn't been for this comedy festival giving me solo shows mm-hmm. and giving me a platform where I would have had to have done this once a year at the fringe with all that pressure, whereas I could just gig in my home city and allow me to build up that audience. That then gave me the confidence to go and tour. And I'd go and tour provincial theatres and stuff like that in Scotland for two years. And then I went out to Australia and I could do it because I'd been doing all that. And if it wasn't for this comedy festival... I would never have had that platform. I would never have been able to turn around and go into a gig and see Romesh, uh, who then had a gig with me in a very big venue and put his arm around me and reminded me of that gig that we had. Yes. Right? Wow. Like, stuff like that. And, you know, you turn up, you, you're gigging with Fred Macaulay for the first time and stuff, right? And And if it wasn't for this festival, I wouldn't have had access to that. And if it wasn't for this city and the people in this city supporting me, there is no way I would be that King's Theatre. So it's a wonderful festival and people need to support it and it needs to be preserved because it's such an important platform for people. It's a great opportunity for for Glaswegians to sort of be the star of the show. Aye, aye, and your city to be the star. And yeah, you can go and see the big names and at the bigger venues, but you know what, just take a punt and go into a boozer and see what somebody's doing. I know. (laughs) Just take a punt. And one very last final five. Uh, do you have a favourite joke, either one of your own or uh, another act's? Honestly, do you know, and it's probably because of the kids in my life's reaction to this, right? Because the kids just <laughs> laugh so hard at it. And even now, like when they're getting a bit older, they still laugh and just shake their head. Knock, knock. Who's there? Bear. Bear who? Bear bum. Boom. <laughs> the Waynes love it. Brilliant, thank you very much. Magic, uh, that's, that's been Susie McCabe. As you can see, her show Born Believer at the King's Theatre on the 26th of March. Uh, and tickets are still available. That's about 100 left. About 100 left, probably going by the time this goes out. But <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you can check the Glasgow Comedy Festival website. Uh, that is www.glasgowcomedyfestival.com. Uh, so thank you once again, Susie McCabe. Uh, I've been Scott Agnew. Magic, thank you. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Susie McCabe there. I had a rare tear, but now it is time for our Festival Fast Fives. The questions we posed for our Festival Fast Fives were Give us your 60-second elevator pitch of your show Your favourite heckle you've received or witnessed Your favourite Glasgow memory or story What are the Glasgow must-see-and-do's for visitors to the city And what's your favourite joke? Remember, to get your tickets, they're available on all the W's, GlasgowComedyFestival.com. Our first Fast Five is with Connor Burns, whose show, Connor Burns Live, is at the Stand Comedy Club on Sunday the 13th of March at 5.30pm. My name's Connor Burns. My show is going to be on... Uh, in the Glasgow International Comedy Festival at the Stand Comedy Club in Glasgow. Um, It's an amazing venue. The show is on March 13th, which is a Sunday. Um, It's at 5.30. It's an hour long. Uh, I'd love to see people there. So, yeah, please get tickets. Thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah, so basically the idea behind the show is that in 2019, uh, when the world was a very different place, I was named by a comedy magazine, like a comedy publication, as one of the ones to watch in 2020. Um, I don't know if you remember 2020, but uh, it wasn't, wasn't a great year to be in the performing arts. Um, so I just found it really funny that like that was my shot, and then it was a year that was just deleted from history. Um, so it's kind of about that. It's a bit like disappointment and having things... You know, having goalposts moved in front of you, um, and just like 
It's definitely the most cynical stuff I've ever written. But I also think it's the funniest stuff I've ever written. It's really honest. Um, and I think it's just about how you, everyone's priorities have changed in the last two years. And we all view the world very differently. Um, so yeah, it's about that. Uh, by far the best heckle I've ever had. The most crushing one. I done this like sportsman's dinner thing. Um, like a boxing night in Glasgow actually. And uh, the the MC was a guy called Steve Bunce, who is like the voice of British boxing. And he tries to introduce me by saying, because he doesn't know me, he tries to say, this next kid is going to be the next Kevin Bridges. Um, but what he actually says is, this young kid is going to be the next Jeff Bridges. Um, so I go up to that and I say, Jeff Bridges, isn't he the guy that was in the original A Star Is Born? And then someone from the crowd just goes, no, that was Chris Christopherson. Um, and I remember just being like, oh god, this has already gone so badly. Uh, my favourite joke changes all the time, um, and I'm assuming I can't say any dirty ones. But there's one um, that was on by an amazing comedian called Norm MacDonald, who sadly passed away last year. It was one of my absolute favourites, and I just love it, it's so silly. He said, um, it's really cool to be a lone wolf. That is until the wolf picnic when you don't have a partner for the wolf wheelbarrow races. It's just so silly. I love it. My favourite Glasgow memory, um, probably my favourite one I actually talk about in the show. So I can't give any of that away. But one of the, a brilliant one happened to me recently. Um, I finished a gig in Glasgow and I'd parked in a sort of lane behind the comedy club. So I went back round to get my car and uh, there was a guy sort of lying in the gutter. Um, and he shouted, Here you! Come over here! Get over here! And I was like, Oh no, he's gonna st start something. And I, I looked over at the guy and he smiled at me and he went, Didn't worry, pal. I wasn't talking to you. I'm trying to get that wee pigeon over here. Um, so that, that was pretty great. Um, what is something that people should see or do in Glasgow? Well, there's loads. Um, I think. Glasgow, what Glasgow does better than any city in Scotland, I think, is small to medium-sized venues. So if you've got some time in Glasgow, of course, like, there's the hydro, there's all the theatres, but go to a, a smaller venue. Like, at some point, Kevin Bridges was doing comedy in a pub there, or Lewis Capaldi was singing in a tiny bar. So, like, go just go to a wee comedy club or a wee pub and go see something live um, because there's a really rich vein of talent that runs through that city. We'll hear from Stuart Mitchell, whose show Is It Just Me? is at Oran Moore on Friday and Saturday, 25th and 26th of March. A 60-second elevator pitch. Why do they call it an elevator pitch? Who talks to somebody in a lift? I mean... Normally you say, eh, where are you going? And they're thinking to yourself, well, the only way I'm going is either up or down. You're not going to get into a lift and say, oh, I'm going to Kirkcaldy, can you drop me off? An elevator. But anyway, we don't call it an elevator, we call it a lift. But then you normally say to somebody, going to give a lift, mate? And you don't just turn up with a big box that's got a big industrial, mechanical, I don't know, up and down thing in it. Anyway, that's me wasted 45 seconds and I've meant to be pitching my show. Basically, I've had two years to write this show, so if it's no funny, then I shouldn't be a comedian. So turn up, it's called Is It Just Me? And it's all about the things that I say to my wife. Is it just me? And she says, I Stuart, it is just you. So I need to open this up to a collective audience to prove her wrong and make sure that I'm right. So get yourself along. My favourite heckle? Probably... When I was at a gig at Berlin Prison and Tommy Sheridan was in the audience, genuinely, Tommy Sheridan was in Berlin Prison and I used to do a routine about uh, M&D's, Scotland's theme park, when I used to say that even the kids are greeting because they are tall enough to get in the rides and a prisoner shouted, here mate, did you see Tommy at M&D's? And I went, no. And he went, ah, because somebody told him it was a pound a ride and uh, that was really funny. And probably the funniest thing that happened on stage, because I bombed for the next 15 minutes. My favourite joke? Oh, 
That's a tough... The, well, the fav- my, my most favourite joke I've written actually came very early on in my comedy career when my, my little brother was probably about six at the time and he was doing a project at school. He had to design a new lunchbox at school and normally kids design like a WWF wrestling. He designed a United Nations lunchbox and I said, why did you design a UN lunchbox? And he went, oh, it's the ultimate peacekeeper. And uh, I've never I've never wrote a decent joke since. What brings you to the Glasgow International Comedy Festival this year? Well, my shows get cancelled, so I'm coming back. And I've went from a smaller venue to a bigger venue. Do you know that way you, you move from a, a, a smaller house to a bigger house? Well, that's what I've done. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting the whole hire through after I've finished. So make sure you buy tickets so I can survive. What are you looking forward to? What am I looking forward to most on my trip to Glasgow? I don't know. Well, normally normally it's because I'm taking the motor and not having to get assaulted on the train. But I'm looking forward to playing to a full audience. And uh, I've only got a handful of tickets left. Well, I say a handful if you've got 20 horns. So I'd appreciate you if you buy a ticket for Is It Just Me or and More. Get yourself along. Thank you. So, episode two is a wrap. I, I'd like to thank my guests today, Susie McCabe, Connor Burns and Stuart Mitchell. And remember, once again, to get your tickets at all the W's, GlasgowComedyFestival.com. So thank you once again for joining me on the official Glasgow International Comedy Festival podcast sponsored by Sparkling Studios. I've been Scott Agnew. See you again next time. (laughs) 